Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 83. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing tonight? I am all right. It's warm here for once. I know I always talk about the weather. It's really strange how like my life seems to revolve around the weather. It doesn't really. It's just I walk to work and I walk back. So when it's nice, I can finally appreciate it. Didn't have to wear this huge winter jacket today. It was great. It's great to finally feel like I was outside and enjoying it for the first time in a long time. Have we seen the grass yet or is it still covered in snow? It's still primarily covered. There's at least another good foot or two of snow. A foot or two? Yeah, it's a lot of snow. Oh my God, you got a ways to go. I've got at least five and a half feet of snow accumulated on the side of my house, like right after the driveway from just like shoveling it in that area. Um, and we, we built like a, a fort on top of it for my kids so they can kind of like look in the house and have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, everything under that is just pure ice because they they, they've been stomping on it for the last couple of months. Right. So yeah, that's going to take a while to melt. At least that's- for south facing, so it's all sun, baby. Okay, good. It was. What about prob- you? I'm doing pretty good. It was probably about, I'm going to say 42 today. Okay, so I have no idea what that there. means, but good. I don't know, the conversion. That's it's more over. than four degrees for me, I guess. Yeah. So it, it's been it's been pretty nice. The weather is changing, thank God. And I would hope that the Islanders start changing oh, back yes. soon. I like that transition? I love that. I thought of it too. That's the best part. Okay, we're on the same page, apparently. Uh, before we get into it, Mitch, do you have an addition for us? Or no. Nah? <laughs> no, 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 no more number 83. I think we're out just about. Uh, we still have a few more. Uh, there's still there's 84, there's an 86, there's an 88. Mm, not a great one. And then a few 89s, 91s. There's a few more players to come. Some some good ones, too. So Yes, I can't wait for the Michael Grabowski episode. It's coming <laughs> there you in go. It's next coming. week. Next week, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do once we hit 96. Cause after that, there ain't no more numbers. So We're going to have to find a new gimmick. It's been over a year, but we're going to have it's to fine. find a new thing. We'll find something new. All right, Mitch. So let's get this thing rolling. Obviously, we are on the heels of one of the more embarrassing performances of the year, a 5 nothing loss to the Boston Bruins. The, our first topic listed is, should Michael Del Cole be in the lineup? But I guess we should really start with... What the heck, I guess make this into what the heck do they do with the lineup because it's a major issue. Yeah, 100%. So there's more to come with that, I guess, uh, especially with the injuries. But if you want our thoughts on the game, if you want our thoughts on the last couple of games, we record a post-game podcast over on our Patreon account. So that's patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. And for a small bunch, uh, bunch of money, a uh, bunch small amount of money, uh, you can get your post-game podcast immediately after the game from these two mouths right into your ear holes. Exactly. Usually it's pretty good. I was a little cranky after last <laughs> night's game. You were super cranky. So that's definitely worth the price of admission. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, so let's get into this, Mitch. Yep. What do the Islanders do with the lineup? So there, there are problems right now, specifically with the lineup, because uh, Valtteri Fopola is now out for four weeks. So that's a problem. Uh, the, not back till middle end, almost end of April. That's rough because you're looking at likely the second round of the playoffs, and that's if you get there. That's right. So his season potentially came to an end today. Hopefully right. not, but it could have. 
season and even Islanders' career, right? He's only on a one-year no-move clause. So we may never see him again. <laughs> I, I love how you didn't say a uh, one-year contract. It was a one-year no-move clause. <laughs> that's all Because that's was. the most important part of it. The money was whatever. The no-move was the important part to me. Um, yeah, so he's gone for four weeks. Uh, and then Jordan Eberle is now day-to-day. Jeez. Do we think he's actually injured, or is this, you've been terrible, so we're going to say you're day-to-day and take you out of lineup? Um, maybe it seems like an odd time to start pulling that kind of maneuver. Right? I would like think they could have done that at the beginning of the year with both Eberle and maybe not Lad, but uh, with a few other players like Adam Pellick day to day with him, get him out of the lineup. Although if they take Adam Pellick out of the lineup, they got to put Lucas Pisa in. So <laughs> weigh your now. options there. <laughs> They'd have to put Johnny Boychuk in. That's true. That's a pretty good uh, swap. So, but Pellick's been playing well. Either I don't think we need to to speak necessarily about the defense. The, no, the, the no. pairings are you know you can switch a few pieces as you want, but like the number of the defensemen is is pretty locked, barring any injuries. It's really the forwards where we have issues. Um, I think we're good with the top the top three, right? We're good with like a Lee Barzal Bailey now. It, it was Eberle, but he's not uh, there anymore. Yes, I'm excited to see that line because we've been calling for it for a while. We like Lee and Barzal. I want to see Bailey with it too. Although, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Brett Sergalis, who was the only one at practice because Andrew Gross was uh, heading up to Montreal for the game, uh, tweeted out the lines for the Islanders at practice. And I think the first line was uh, Lee, Barzal, and Ladd. Oh. That's right. Andrew Ladd. Oh. No. No, 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 (laughs) no, no. 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 Tracy Morgan gift. No. 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 No way. Uh, Yeah. No, that's terrible. That can't be serious. Yeah, that's <laughs> what that. It's again practice. So who knows what happens come game time? But usually, usually, um, these are the lines that that, that end up and at, at game time. So looks like he's probably going to play top line minutes. Andrew Ladd, molasses in January. Andrew Ladd in twenty nineteen. Maybe he turns it on. Maybe that's what he needed is to play with these these top level players. I don't know. I'm I'm talking this myself into this being okay, but like I don't think this is going to be okay. No, it's a huge stretch, Mitch. It's all right. Uh, at least it's Montreal Canadiens. It's not a fast team. It's not like he's got to go up against Connor McDavid or something stupid. Oh, he'd be screwed. Yeah, I, I, he can't Montreal, move. It is quick, but they're not as quick. They're 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 kind of like the Isles. But Lee and Lad both have trouble skating. And you're gonna put him with the fastest guy on the team? Well, Lee, I wouldn't say Lee has a trouble has any trouble skating. I wouldn't say he's the fastest he's not fast, foot. Though. No, but I in French we say he train pas la patte. Like he's not tra- uh, like trailing his feet. Like he's not you know like lugging it up the ice mm-hmm. like at like three quarters speed of of Matthew Barzal. Even like a quarter speed of Matthew Barzal. He he's getting up. Like look at that play he made. Um, it was the two on one against who the heck was it? Was it Montreal? Yeah, it was against Montreal, uh, where Barzell fed him through Jeff Petrie's legs. Uh, he had to leg it up there. He had to put in some, a shift, and he did it. So, like, when push comes to shove, Anders Lee's got some deceptive speed. I still wouldn't say it's blazing or anything of the sorts, but no, it's not Andrew Ladd uh, level of, of, of pedestrianism. No, not at all. So, we've got, we've got an issue there. Uh, his second line, his being trots, is Bailey Nelson Dalcole. That's okay. Yeah. So keep in mind, Bailey does usually play on the right, but he is a lefty. Right. So that's his like more natural position is on, on the left in, in terms of just his handedness. Right. I'm not yeah. going to say that he's he's better on the left than he's on the right. This is kind of new for him. Yeah. I don't think that really matters for Bailey. I think at this point in his career, he's played enough on both the left and the right wing that he'd be fine. Yeah, both left, right, came in as a center and junior, although, like, that was a whole, that was, like, what, nine years ago? Nine, that was a lifetime years ago. ago. So, like, whatever he learned then, it's not that he's forgotten it, but you you can't say it's fresh of mind. No. Line, so line two makes sense. I I, I get it, the Bailey, Nelson, Del Cole thing. Um, man, I really want to see how, uh, Hosang up in there. I, I really do. Like, if you're telling me Lad is your best chance at a top line right wing, um, please take a look at your Bridgeport lineup because you got a top line right wing there potentially. Yeah, 
And that would be his time to shine instead of putting him on the third role, a third line role. Yeah, like 100%. Like that's this is where you 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 go to your to Bridgeport for depth. This is where you pull it out because Lad, honestly, like I'd have Michael Dalcole in the lineup over Andrew Ladd, which is the entire point of this segment here. We just didn't have the injuries to talk about yet. Um, but if you're looking at that second line, do you put in Dalcole or do you put in Ladd? Um, I think I would put in Dalcole. So would I, just just based off what I've seen from Ladd. I know he had that that stretch where he played well coming off the injury, uh, and by playing well, I mean like he put up some assists. Yeah, but that's kind of wore away now, and he's looking like Andrew Ladd of 2017-2018, where he was invisible most of the way. Invisible until he takes a slashing call in the third period. Also a good point, that (laughs) we have dumb penalties usually coming. So, yeah, uh, I I would much rather Hosang up on that top line than Andrew Ladd, but obviously he's not coming. Um, They they recalled one player that we'll get to in a bit, um, and so it was not Hosang, obviously, spoiler alert. The third line is Beauvillier, Kunhakel, Komarov. That's disgusting. Oh, like that's really bad. That's really, really gross. You got you got to look at that and say, is Kunakul a center? Has he actually ever played center? I don't know. Like I'm sure maybe, but sorry, Matt. He has won two Stanley Cups. Ah, uh, if I see that on Twitter one more time, I'm gonna punch <laughs> my phone. Are you kidding me? Stop with that argument, okay? Stop. Bad players can win Stanley Cups just because. They won a Stanley Cup in the past doesn't mean that they're magically going to like do go like this with their fingers right in front right in front of everyone's eyes and then everyone's magically gonna become a winner just because like of the presence of Tom freaking Kunakel. I was right. wondering Matt was doing jazz hands over the camera there. I was. I was trying to do a little ASMR on the microphone, but it wasn't really working too well. But uh he, that's to just be fair. the thing, right? Yeah, he like he was there for the first Stanley Cup. He played all twenty six games, he put up five points good for you uh the second run he played 11 games he, he played only in the first and second round so let's be honest there they didn't necessarily win the Stanley Cup because of Tom Kunakel he's he, he contributed in the first and second rounds and that I believe he was injured and I I guess he just didn't play the rest of it um to say he's he's gonna be a good third line center wolf my god no no like that's a stretch. Maybe he plays okay, and then we have to eat our words for one game, but it's not going to last. Because again, remember everyone, he's out for four weeks. He being um, Feltier Fulpola. He's gone for four weeks. Can we like succinctly say that Tom Kunakel is a good four-week replacement? No. Remember, going into the playoffs as well. This isn't just like four weeks in December. This is four weeks going into the playoffs. We have nine nine games left on the season, and our third line center is replacement Tom Kunakel. That's really depressing. Why, why not put Beauvillier at center then? He doesn't trust him at center, and I, I don't necessarily blame him. Like, why why would you why would you trust him all of a sudden? What has he done to earn trust? Or to earn no, he's got to be better trust. than Tom Kunakel. If Kunakel's anything more than your 12th best forward, you have a problem. Sure, but he again, he was on Pittsburgh. Like I, I'm not going to say that Kunakel doesn't belong in the NHL, but like he's he's very much a fourth line player, right? And, and, but he does fit that that kind of Trotzian Lamorellian mantra of he plays hard and he knows how to play in the NHL, which is All true. Right. So then, what do we want to get like Devontae Smith Pelly and put him on the second line now? Like this is just again, you want a Stanley Cup. He's a fourth line player. He had a couple clutch goals, and now you want to. Put him in your middle six. That's gross. Yeah, we don't have to straw man the argument, but like I know what you're saying is like why why are we justifying Tom Kunakel there? And and it's not that to say that we're justifying it. It's that we're trying to make sense of it. Yeah, and it, it's really hard to make sense of him being there. I understand it's not like we have depth in the system. Um, the one call up they made was Tanner Fritz, oh, who yeah. I, is probably going to take that spot. Probably, which is, I guess better than Tom Kunakel, but it's not exciting at all. Remember, Matt, Tanner Fritz is a top-line player in the NHL. He did play on the top line for <laughs> a, maybe 25 seconds. 
That was a good, like, three or four games he was playing at the top line with John Tavares and Josh Bailey. Or was it Anders Lee? I think it was Anders Lee when Josh Bailey was out for a little bit. Oh, yeah. I must... I think I blocked that out. And then the year before that, it was Cal Clutterbuck. <laughs> oh, man. The juggling that Jack Kaplan and Doug White did. That and... Well, what about Alan Quine, first line winger oh. in the playoffs, no less? <laughs> I remember Alan Quine. Oh, not in the NHL anymore, if I'm not mistaken. You are not mistaken. Um, okay, so that's the Islanders' third line. Bo, Kunalko, Komarov. Um, not a lot of... Uh, what, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Confidence coming out of us. And then the fourth line stays the same of Martin Sezikis Clutterbuck. Which makes sense. Yeah, like you you don't you don't try to actively break that up if you don't have to, but I would really like to see Sezikis up on that third line. Although if you're putting him with Bo and Komarov, you're probably not going to get much more out of Sezikis than you would with Martin Clutterbuck. No, probably not. You're right with that. I agree with you, and I know we went on Twitter and had this exchange. I agree with you that Sezikis probably could be a third center. But I don't want to take him away from Martin and Clutterbuck because I feel like that line is completely useless without Sezikis. Absolutely. Uh, and, and if we don't have to rely on that line, then then I don't care about putting Sezikis up. Again, like I've said on Twitter, I'd, I'd like to get more, or I feel we can get more to Sezikis than we would lose out of Martin Clutterbuck. Uh, that, that would, so we would make up for it and more. Uh, but you're not going to get that extra positive space out of Casey Zekas if you're putting him next to Anthony Bavillier and Leo Komarov. You're just not. No. So um, so overall confidence level in the lineup we just saw today from practice going forward? I'm really not feeling it. I'm, I'm really not. It's not to say that this lineup is terrible, but I... It's pretty bad, Mitch. It's not great. Like I, I don't have a lot of confidence in it. From the second line is probably the one I feel the best about, and even then I feel shaky about it. And the only reason I do is because every player on that line I can see contributing well. I, I can't see that from the top line. But listen, we said this about the Islanders in September. We looked at their lineup and we're going, "Wolf, this does not look great," uh, and and they, they they've won. I just don't see this. Like, they, they already have a problem scoring, and this is their lineup. This is rough. It's not great, Mitch. It certainly isn't great. So is there anything they could do differently? And keep in mind, you're not allowed to call a post because they're not. they're clearly then, not going to do that. Then no, not really. They don't have another choice. That's just it, right? They don't have another choice because they didn't call up Hosang. For whatever reason, they don't feel like he fits. Uh, man, this guy, this kid, they got to trade this kid like ASAP. Like they're not willing to call him up because they don't want to see him because they'd rather see Lad, Dalcol, Komarov, Clutterbuck on the right side than put Hosang in there. Just, just trade him. I know, I know you can't do it now. Although I guess you could. You just can't play in the playoffs. Um, just, just find him a new place because it doesn't make any sense anymore. Yeah, at this point, I. If it's not now, then whenever, right? Yeah. Um, have you walked off of your excitement? Have you got, like, are you at DEFCON 1 again, or is it 5? DEFCON 5 on the autocoivolo scale being the lowest? That I want him up here? Yes. Because you're, you're pretty adamant about it last time we spoke and on Twitter. Yeah, I definitely walked it back. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I feel the so same. So if way. I was at what five's the high one, right? That's like I, the need him now. I feel like five is the low. All right. So I was at probably like a two yesterday and today. Defcon two. We're now at like Defcon four. Right. Okay. Yeah. Defcon five is the least severe. Defcon one is the most severe. Yeah, I was probably went at like a two and then dropped down to a four. Right. Yeah, I was probably about the same. I, I'm at a five now, whereas I just don't. I don't think he's ready. Like I, I've seen enough, or, or thought about it enough to figure. Like, yeah, he's probably not ready yet, and it might be rushing him too soon. And that's that's not a loo thing. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with it. But then after that, it's who the heck is going to play down the middle for the Islanders then? And then you 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 have to settle on Tanner Fritz. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> yes. Uh... Yuck. 
Yeah. That's all, I mean, like, I know that's super lame to just say that, but, and it's nothing necessarily against Tanner Fritz, but he, like a lot of guys on the Islanders roster, is just better served as a fourth line player. And if he's playing on your third line, it's going to have some problems. Yeah. So are you now looking back at the calendar and fixated on February 25th, seeing this lineup and thinking, like, man, man, we could have used that day. That day could have been used for something. Yeah. Yeah, um, I am I gonna say, should I say it again for the regular crowd? What I said on the pod yes. last night. Okay, so if you sat here and said that the Islanders should stay pat, and you were happy that the Islanders stayed pat, here's what I want you to do. Ready? Yeah. Okay. I want you to take your hand and look at it, and take each one of your fingers and make your hand into a fist, and then punch yourself directly in the face because you are wrong. Oh, he did it. Oh, that was scary. Tried. Mm. Oh, doesn't. I'm not really strong, so it doesn't hurt. And I hit my my big fat cheek, so I'm good. Yeah, because the Islanders have been terrible in the terms of scoring goals. Over the last 12 games, they average 2.3 goals per game. Now, spin zone, Mitch. If (laughs) you take out the two games against Ottawa, where they scored five goals and four goals, and then the four goals and four goals. Remember that that fifth one was a shootout. Right, you corrected me on that yesterday. So four goals and four goals, and then six against Toronto. So you take out those three games, because those are outliers, correct? That's correct. All right, so in those other nine games out of the last 12, it's 1.44. That doesn't win you hockey games. No, you can't win. Even with how good Thomas Grice has been, how good Robin Leonard has been, how good their defense and defensive system has been, you can't win putting up one and a half goals a game, Mitch. You just can't. No. <laughs> that, again, that won't win you hockey games at all. That just doesn't win you hockey games ever in any league, well, I guess, in any and, hockey league. And that's like a reasonable sample. Like nine games is a pretty reasonable sample size. If we're talking about like three, that's a little bit different. But nine, that's almost an eighth of the season. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot um yeah listen I, I I smacked myself in the face not because I thought that the Islanders should stay pat at the deadline but but I made the case saying not that they stayed pat but I, I, I get why you don't move pieces like Oliver Wallstrom and Noah Dobson for hopefully trying to get out of the first line or first round or, or trying to get a second round like you're you're, you're probably not going to get a piece that's going to completely flip your roster around um, but with that being said, uh, the Islanders probably should have been on a guy like Charlie Coyle or Mike Hoffman, who was a- apparently on the trading block, or any other winger that you know that wasn't part of that top tier elite, right? Like Gustav Nyquist, what did he go for? A second and something else? Like, don't tell me the Islanders couldn't have traded Calgary's second round pick to someone, and and there isn't twenty twenty, right? Yeah. That, that, that's just it. Like, it doesn't... Yeah, would we have liked to see Panarin, Stone, Duchesne? Probably, right? But you couldn't tell me you can't take a flyer on a Mike Hoffman? Like, come on. Yeah, I know. I, I don't I don't get it either. And, and that's where I kind of go, like, I have a hard time with, with the strategy taking place, even with, like, the chemistry angle, and I'm using air quotes here, mm-hmm. um, because you're, you're always going to ruin the chemistry. The idea is to have that chemistry be open and ambivalent enough that someone could come in and kind of co-opt and, and, and join in by osmosis. Because you're going to have guys that are coming in through trades. You're going to have guys that come back through injury. You're going to have guys come in from the draft, you know, from junior. You're always bringing new people into the room. So the chemistry shouldn't be so tight and so cohesive that you can't bring another element in. So that's how I feel about that. I, I agree with you. I almost feel like the trade deadline could go one of two ways. It could either be Okay, so let's say you don't make any moves. So then it could be, all right, the mindset from the players could be, they believe in us, let's go prove them right. And then on the flip side of that coin, it can be, they ain't believe in us to go all in on this year. Maybe we aren't good enough. And by how their play is, it's certainly leaning more like the latter. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't necessarily say that, but I don't necessarily disagree with the statement. I just, I think it's, I don't know what happened recently. Um it just doesn't seem to be working. The team defense just doesn't seem to be working for them. Um, they, they're. I think it's just teams caught them out. Teams have figured figured them out. 
That's really just it. Like Boston figured them out, going like, "Oh, we just need to post up in the, on 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 the blue line, and and, and play a two one two system, and just let them like shoot themselves in the foot in the neutral zone." Done. That's exactly what they did, and they won five nothing. Yeah. So I mean, boss Boston figured it out. Yep. So <laughs> kind of worried about other teams figuring it out real quick. And the Islanders only have nine more games to get themselves figured out. Yeah. So pretty tall task for Barry Trotz. The coach of the year candidate, he's got a lot of work to do. Yep. Agreed. All right. So let's move on and talk about some Casey Sezikis. So he missed some time with an injury, and his presence was, or lack of presence, was definitely felt by that Islanders fourth line. It, it didn't exist, right? Like Matt Martin had five minutes that game, wasn't it? Yeah, he barely he barely played, and Cal Clutterbuck did not look like himself. Like the entire team, when Cal Clutter, when Casey Zekas misses or is not there, you can feel his presence not there. Like you can feel the hole in the lineup when he is not there, which which really kind of puts it into perspective on how important this guy is for the, for the team, not just that fourth line, but the team in general. Look, they they start periods, they start games. Um, and he allows Barry Trotz to rotate his lineup and keep everyone as fresh as possible. Uh, and so without him there, that means Barzell's getting double shifts. That means Nelson's probably getting double shifts as well, like offsetting double shifts. Uh, and that, that gives them the 20-minute the appeal that, that most teams get, but that doesn't work in a Barry Trotz system where talent is not as abhorrent as other teams. Right. I... For with Casey, I think it became abundantly clear that he is the catalyst of that line. No, oh, because yeah, if you yeah. take if you take out Martin, replace him with Johnston, I think you're still getting pretty okay play there. And then if you replace, let's say, Clutterbuck with Leo Komarov, and it's Martin and Sezikis up the middle, I think you're still probably in pretty good shape. I realistically, the the guy they can't lose is Sezikis. We saw that. Maybe he moves up and ends up playing at the third line center. So you lose him in the sense that he is not with his regular guys on the fourth line. But do I, I guess I'll pose my thought like this. Do Islanders fans possibly even underrate Casey Sezikis? I, mm, last year, yes. The year before that, definitely. Um, I think that's the year that he signed, right? He signed in the offseason yeah. of last year. Uh, absolutely, because when he signed that 3.35 five-year deal, we all went WTF, mate. That what was after the playoff year, so 2016. Right. Okay, so two years ago. Um, yeah, we all thought, why are you paying a fourth-line pay- player $3.35 million a year for five years? That doesn't make any sense. Uh and now we're seeing why, because that quality is there. Uh, th- this guy is not a fourth line winger or a center. He's not a fourth line center. He is a third line center and a on a bad team second line center. Yeah, probably right. Like the way he's able to push forward, like playing on, on in a Boston team. Oh my God, could you imagine Casey Zegas as second line center in Boston with some talent on his wings? That's right. With the the. The persistent forecheck that we saw on on clear display last night, um, that's that's Case Zekas' bread and butter. Just forechecking the crap out of the other team and causing them to, to create turnovers themselves and then taking advantage of them. Because that's what Case Zekas does. Is he's just going to hound you into making a mistake and then he's going to try to take advantage of that. And what he does is really he's, he's looking for the opening in the slot. And that's where he catches Matt Martin most of the time. Matt Martin's just coming into the slot and boom. There you go. He's got a good enough shot. He's just getting that on net. Um, that's Case Zekas' game. Put him with some guys that know where to be. Oh, look out. He's probably got more than, what, the, the tw- 10 or 12 assists he's got this year? Like, we're, we're now talking about a 40-point player instead of a 30-point player. That's a pretty good second line. Yeah. I, no, I would definitely agree with that. I think he could potentially be... I would go third. I'd be more comfortable with him on my third line. But... If you have, if you're a really good team, and Sezikis is your fourth line player, like how the Islanders currently have it, granted he probably is a little bit higher ceiling than Valtteri Filippo, but story for another day. 
Mm-hmm. He he's productive, and especially with the lack of Islanders center depth, you can't lose him. Because now, yeah. if you're already down Valtteri Filippula, what the heck do you do if you lose Sasikas uh, too? You have Fritz and Gianta in um, the lineup. Two Stanley Cup winner Tom Kunakal, Matt. Come on. I, oh, sorry. <laughs> No, I I know I'm I'm being I'm being a jerk on on purpose here. Um, yeah, no, we have no center depth whatsoever, and the center depth that we have is AHL guys, and and, and that's fine. It's just not for four weeks. Not for we're rehashing what we said in, in the whole the, the beginning segment here. This is all about l- loving cases Zekas. Um, the guy's got 19 goals for a reason. Yeah. It's just it, this is the perfect system for him. Uh, it's the perfect uh, usage. Uh, he could probably even get more if he was out there more frequently. The guy could probably play 16, 17 minutes a night on average. And that, that's when you're, now you're talking about probably getting 22 goals out of him at this point, maybe even 10, 15 assists. Sorry, not 10, 15 assists, 15, 20 assists. Uh, and, and maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm all into the hype. Like I've got a a a, 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 a case Zika's flavor flavor in my ear, just saying, yeah, boy, case Zika's <laughs> is the man, and I'm just kind of loving it. Um, but who's Chuck D in that case? I don't know. Who would Sorry, be a good Chuck no, D? Who would be a good Chuck D? So like the hype man for cases Zika's has to be Cal Clutterbuck. Chuck D's got to be Matt Martin. Just like laying yeah. down the solid foundation, making you think about what, what what what's what's going on, and Cal Clutterbuck is just adding the flavor. Flav. Yes, that that's perfect. That's the good analogy. I there like it. Go. All right. Um, do Do you have anything else on on Casey Zekas? No, just that he's been extremely a positive piece to this team, and they really can't afford to lose him now. So hopefully, he stays healthy. Yeah, so there was that worrying bit in Boston where he was kind of shaking his hand in the second period, and we all were wondering if he would even come out for the third period. Sure enough, he did, but something tells me there's something there. Yeah. And I hope he's not playing through an injury, because if we have a less than 100% cases Zika's and a non-existent Valtteri Filippola, we got problems. Now you have bottom six problems where you thought you were strong, and then your whole forward group is shot. That's the entire philosophy of this team going into the season was we're going to be strong. We're going to play strong, hard to play against hockey and our strong, hard to play against guys aren't necessarily there anymore. Not great. No, not a great situation, but there is one positive, at least one positive from the forward group. My positive that I want to talk about now is Matthew Barzal. He has been extremely productive with six points in the last seven games. Barzal's scoring touch has returned, and it really at the perfect time because we just hit on how dead the rest of the offense has been. Yeah, um, it's been it's been rough for him for a little while there. That he went through that stretch. I think it was like ten games: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, where he had five points. One, two, three, four, four points. Whoa. Yeah, that's not good enough. That's rough. And then he started turning it on against Ottawa on, in game number 67. He got a point, two points a night, the, the next night against Philly. Um, that's the Matthew Barzell we've come to expect. And putting a point and, and standing out, right? Like he's not anonymous. He's making plays. Even against Boston, he was one of the maybe two Islanders players who were doing something. Him and Andrews Lee, and that was about it. Uh, which was the problem for the, the Islanders, that, that no one else was doing anything. Uh, so he he seems to be back. Uh, and, I, and I'm using back because I'm not really sure what other words. It's not like he left. It just it wasn't working for him. He was still trying things, but it just wasn't working for him. Um, what do you think the problem was? Do you think he was just trying too hard or something? Um, I think maybe a little bit of it is him gripping his stick a little bit too tight. Also... Uh, I'm going to put a little bit of the blame on the line mates because yeah. the people around him haven't been putting up the numbers that we've expected. I mean, Anders Lee has caught fire recently, but he went through a little bit of a cold streak. Bailey has really struggled. Eberly has really struggled. So it's not like the people around have been picking things up either. Yeah, well, that's just it, right? Like the people around him just haven't been doing anything, uh, which, which is a problem for the Islanders. Like they, they've got, what, three, maybe four guys doing anything. So Hosang, Nelson, 
Lee, uh, and Bailey, right? That those are the four guys. If we're just talking about forwards that are doing anything, and then mm-hmm. after that, you got nothing. That's a lot of nothing. Barzal. Sorry, did I miss Barzal? You said you said Hosang is the first one. Sorry, I was looking at a tweet for Hosang. Yes, I'm going to close this Twitter so I don't have to keep uh, looking at Hosang. Okay. Um, yes, I I do absolutely mean Barzal. Okay, uh, no, I just, I didn't know if you were talking about like he, him doing well in the AHL and he should count. And I just got confused and I want to. Yeah, that no, that too. wouldn't have made any sense with what I was saying. But you're right. It's Barzal. It's Lee. It's Bailey and it's Nelson. And, and even then, Bailey, you can argue, you know, hasn't been that great recently. So that's that's the four guys doing something. That's two-thirds of, of the top six. There's still a third that's doing nothing. So, like, that's Eberle, who's now out day-to-day. Bo, who's done nothing. Nothing recently. He's got that one assist in his last, what, 12 games? Yes. Great. 13 now, I think, with the yes. Boston game. I'm sorry. I looked it up yesterday. I'm pretty sure it's five points in the last 25 games. Oh, <laughs> he's going one point every five games. Oh man. So like, yeah, absolutely. The line mates, the line mates are absolutely not, not to blame because obviously Matthew Brazil also takes, you know, some blame for that, but you, you can't necessarily put all of the blame on Matthew Brazil when you got guys around who have done nothing all year long. Um, which really makes me feel bad because now we're getting into arguments that we've been having for the last 10 years. Just replace Matthew Barzell with John Tavares. Matthew Barzell needs wingers. John Tavares needs an elite winger. Like we're, we're at the same place. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same thing over and over again. Although with that, I will say we have management who should be able to do something. Oh, sure. I have a lot more faith in this group, and I think you could be disappointed that nothing happened at the deadline and also still have faith that the future is going to be bright. I don't think it has to be one or the other. At the end of the day, right now, it's kind of just ironic that you're having some of the same issues that you had with Tavares now with Barzell. Yeah, like it's the same issue in name, but it's the the, the – the solving of that issue is different in, when it comes to the practice. So, like, we have guys like Lula Morello who clearly has a plan and isn't willing to deviate from it. We just hope that that plan pans out, is all. Yes, so. I hope so. Knock on wood. But Matthew Barzal, at least in the most recent stretch, in the last seven games, six points. Yeah, so that that that's good. You know, you're, you're at almost a point per game. Um the Boston game is an, an anomaly there. Uh, when he did not score as well against Detroit, he probably should have had a point against Detroit. Like the, the Islanders were all over them. Yeah. So, and, and Barzal was a big factor in that game as well. Like he, he's he's there. He's present. He's creating. It's the Barzal of old. Like I I don't know what clicked. I think it's maybe just um, he's using him more frequently. Like if you look at those last seven games, he's got 17, almost 18 minutes there, 16 and a half, 15, 22, 17, 19. He's using him more frequently. Um, shifts like 23, 20 shifts, 23 shifts against Boston. So he's putting them out there more frequently um, and it's working. Yes, it has been. And the Islanders need to con- to. They needed to continue to work because, like we said, nine games left. Not a whole lot going on. I know he's only 21 years old, but you're the star. You got to put the team on your back. Yeah, and it looks like we might be playing Pittsburgh in this in the first round. Oh, we need everything clicking against the Penguins. That's absolutely right because they have firepower and a lot of it. That's right. That's right. All right. With that, do you want to get into the UFAs and what their values could look like? Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's talk about the, the, those four primary UFAs and just talk about values, um, and try to figure out. Let me not try to figure out, but talk about if their value has gone up or down uh, recently. Okay, so we will start with Anders Lee, the captain. He is due for a new contract. Mitch, where are we putting the number to start and up or down? Uh, start with seven, right? I think we both agree that this guy is going to mm-hmm. get seven million dollars this year. Um, I think it's gone up to at least seven and a half. Really? Okay. So I'm going to stick with seven. I think it stayed the same throughout. Uh, it, the, for me, the only reason it's going up is he's got four goals in the last five games. 
Um, he's he's clearly trying to put this team on his back. He's clearly trying to lead this team, and that's exactly what they wanted to see from him. Right? Is just can you actually lead this team forward? Although I'm sure they they believe that already. It's just like in what capacity can you do that? Um, are you gonna be the rah rah guy? But also the guy who's going to put it all on the ice and putting it out on the ice, does that mean that you're producing as well? Uh, and that's clearly what we're seeing. Um, so I, I really think that he's going to get up there. So seven and a half and, and working his way towards eight. Like If he's got a strong playoff, uh, that's got to push him towards eight. I, I just have a hard time seeing him go above eight million. Yeah, I'm leaning more towards between seven and seven and a half. Yeah, that's fair. I'm starting at seven and a half. So for me, it's between seven and eight. So we're off by $500,000, I think, which isn't that big of a deal, right? If we're thinking it's an eight year deal, we're talking, or sorry, eight, six year deal, right? I think that's what we talked ourselves into last time. Then we're now at $300,000 between the two of us. Sorry, three million between the two of us. Yeah, which in the grand scheme of things isn't a whole lot in a six year contract. Yeah, exactly. When you're figuring he's getting at least $7 million per. So. That's fine. Uh, and I don't think we're, we're going to get any any pushback on that either. No. As for Jordan Eberle, there seems to be a little bit of a question mark whether he will be back or not. We thought that he could potentially be traded at the trade deadline, and then the Islanders have this surprising season, and they're in the mix, so they decide to hold on to him, which we were both behind. Do they re-sign him one, and what does his value look like now? Um, his value has gone down for sure. I still have a hard time seeing him taking a pay cut, like even a significant one. Like I've seen some people talk about a five million dollar range. I know he's playing like a five million dollar player, but maybe even less. But I, I can't see him taking a million dollar pay cut or more. Really, um, maybe he stays at six million. You know, he takes a small raise, six point two for a year. You know, a Brock Nelson thing, a show me type deal. I don't think you can give him a raise. I don't think the Islanders re-signed him. So that I answered my first question. Right. And then secondly, I am in the regard that he's going to go down to $5 million a year on either a one or a two-year deal at most. And then whichever team signs him will then reevaluate and see what he is. Because right now, if let's say Jordan Eberle now has regressed and is between a 30 and 40 point player. You can't be playing that more than $6 million a year. So if you pay him a one-year deal on five and he puts up 30 again, then you know you're not going to pay him big bucks. If he goes back to being a 60 point player, then you could say, okay, we'll give you the bump up to six and a half now. And you work your way back up into a longer term deal at six and a half. Yeah, but I I agree with you that I, I don't think the Islanders do it. I really don't. Uh, why? Why would they at this point? Like, they're hoping to get that seventy-six point player from his second year in the NHL. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a big time stretch. Like, they they might get, like you said, a fifty-point player out of him, but can you not try to get someone who's going to be a fifty-point player for more than a single year? Like a guy that you can count on to get you fifty and maybe push above that, with, based on the talent that he plays with. I'm not saying I have a list of names to do that, but like there are players out there who could probably do that. Probably. And so do you want to spend five to six million dollars of that money you could earmark for someone else on Jordan Everly? No, I, I personally don't. I think this team has other needs and uh, probably looking for an upgrade. Yeah, well, that's just it. Like I, I they will have a need at right wing and, and he's a right wing, but I, I just... I don't want to spend the money. and That doesn't mean that I don't think he could have a good year and put up 50 points. It's that I don't think he can sustain it. Like He's had one good year out of three. Yes, so. it's not trending in the right direction. So for me, I don't think he gets the raise, and I think he probably takes a short-term deal on his next contract. And it's not with the Islanders. And it's not with the Islanders. So yeah. moving right along to Brock Nelson, what are we thinking there for the Brockathon? I think we had talked ourselves between five to five point two million dollars for him. Yes, and I think that goes up because Jacob Silverberg signed a twenty six point two five five year uh, deal with the Anaheim Ducks, and that's a five point two five cap hit. Okay, and that's that's a player who um, 
you know, once put up 49 points, but it's pretty much at a 30 to 40 point pace. Like he's got 34 this year. He had 40 before that and 39 and 39. The guy's pretty much between 39 and 40. <laughs> or sorry, 35 and 40. Whereas Brock Nelson is a 40 to 50 player. Yeah, I think that you're probably looking at five and a half. I don't wow. think it gets up to six. I think that's, probably five and a half. So I think that's where we're at. Is that it's a baseline five and a half up to six million dollars. So between five and a half and six million for probably something like four years. Yeah, I think four or five years. I don't think anything more or less than that. Like I'm not seeing a three year deal and I don't think I'm seeing a six or seven, eight year deal for him either. No, that's just too long for a guy who's been for the longest part, uh, inconsistent. Like you, you just don't do that. Doesn't make any sense to do it. So yeah, four years, five and a half minimum. I think he'll take it for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think he likes the situation here too. I think he's been here the entire time. Um, the The organization clearly likes him. So yeah, why the heck not? Absolutely. Lastly is Robin Leonard. He has had a phenomenal year for the New York Islanders in his first year in blue and orange. He is on a $1.5 million contract right now. Yes. So I think he's getting a significant upgrade over that. I'm going to say he does resign with the Islanders, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say four years, $4 million. Whoa, four years, eh? Um, I'm saying three. But I have no problem with giving him the fourth year, I guess. And yeah, something between four and four point five. So the the precedence for that is that Mikko Koskinen just signed a three year four point five AAV deal. He's thirty, by the way, whereas Leonard is twenty seven. I think he just turned twenty seven. Yeah, and then Jimmy Howard just signed today. Thirty four year old Jimmy Howard with a four million dollar cap hit. So I think you're looking at. A minimum four million dollar. Yeah, and that's fine. That that we're talking about a two point five million dollar raise, right? Yeah. Like that's that's nothing on on the ten almost eleven million dollars worth of cap space that the Islanders have right now. Yeah. So I I think that's fair. Um, I don't like. Can we say he's going to consistently be a nine twenty goalie? No, but if he fits between a nine fifteen and a nine twenty, I think we'll take it at that price point. Yeah, I I, th- I think so. Especially it, that seems to be the rate for a starting goalie anyway. And it, Leonard is a starter. I think he made it pretty clear this year. Yeah, exactly. And like we, we get to run with the Grice Leonard tandem for one more year. So and realistically, that's pretty affordable. So think about it. Grice is three point three, and then Leonard would be four. So that's seven and change for the best goalie duo in the league potentially. Yeah, and then the Montreal Canadiens are paying ten point five million dollars per year for one carry price who's below either of those. Yeah. So, you know. Good value. for It would be a good value move for the Islanders. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Want to get some social segment stuff cooking? Yeah. So I think that that's, that's it for the unrestricted free agents. Like, I know there are more unrestricted free agents on the team, but those are the ones who we think that they're, they're going to stay uh, and, and who are important. Like, we don't need to talk about Spiza or Dennis Seidenberg. Thank you very much. Uh, same thing for Philippa and Kunakel. Like, they, they might keep Philippa, but he'll, he'll, he'll sit at his 2.7 and maybe make three. Like, that's it. They'll, they'll give him a $250,000 raise, and that's about it if they keep him for one more year. Yes. Yeah. Next week, I think what we need to talk about is the restricted free agents that are coming up. Sure. And, and what's going to go on with them. Because there's a few notable ones that we need to talk about. Well, there's three. That's it. Yes. There are definitely some notable RFAs. That's for sure. Uh, Social segment. What do you got, Mitch? Uh, Mine was just one thing. So we we talked about Brett Sergalis earlier. He wrote something earlier this week that I uh, had a response to. Uh, Essentially, it was uh, Gar Snow deserves credit for some credit. He was very clear making it some and he was minimizing his headline. I know he doesn't necessarily write the headlines per se. That's usually an editorial staff that does that. Um, mm-hmm. But the headline was very clear that he deserves some credit and I don't think that Garcino deserves any credit. 
just because he drafted uh, Ryan Pulak, Scott Mayfield, Adam Pellick, and Devin Tays. That's great. Good job by you, Snow. You you drafted them. All right. Uh, but you did nothing to develop them until Barry Trotz came along. Barry Trotz did more of these players in nine months than you did in the, what, four to five years that you had with these guys? Please. That would Please. be like, all right, let's do a little food analogy here. Okay. That would be like, let's say, uh, I'll be the Garth Snow dunce. So let's say I am baking a cake. Yeah. I, I get all my supplies. I get the eggs powder whatever else goes into making the flour <laughs> sure powder. i use i use powder but i don't really i never made a cake in my life but whatever. <laughs> I, clearly so i'm mixing it i'm mixing it and for whatever reason i can't get the consistency right i try and bake it it's lopsided i'm like mitch what the heck's going on my man and you say matt stop being an idiot and you come in you take the same supplies you mix them together you bake it and it comes out into a nice cake one product looks really good the other looks really bad and sure the same tools and formula or recipe was used for it but one was executed a lot better because one was a lot smarter than the other person <laughs> yeah that's pretty fair much analogy it. yeah that's a fair analogy that's really it right like he used the same things that were available to him he just did it more efficiently and now we got to give praise to the other guy because he pulled that talent in i i guess he didn't need to draft uh ryan pulak at number 15 he didn't need to draft devin tapes in the fourth round Fine, but th- there's other talent in this team that he didn't do anything with when he had them, like Reinhardt, like Dal Cole, uh, like Strom, like Niederreiter. Like he did all of those things and drafted all those talented players and did nothing with them uh, because he surrounded them with crappy coaches. And the second you surround these guys with a good coach, look at what happens. They become good players. And that's the same thing. Like, it's the general manager's job to find a good coach to put these guys with. The fact that they were being really anchored down by Jack Capuano and dug away for so long is a real shame. Yeah, 100%. It just, it was bad. It was bad management by Gar Snow. So, like, yes, no, he doesn't deserve any credit for drafting them. They, like, he, he did a good job drafting. Good job by you, Garth, but you did a terrible job drafting them. And that is your responsibility. And that's your primary responsibility. Because you, when you draft them, you have no idea what you're getting. You don't know. You figure there's something there, and I'll take this guy. But you still need to mold that player. You still need to do something with him. Uh, and because you didn't, that, that to me, that doesn't override or that doesn't necessarily give you credit for, for picking him. Anyone can pick him. I, I could throw a dart on a board and then I'll eventually get some players that are good. Give me 12 years and let me throw some darts for 12 years. I'll get some players. Don't you worry about that. And he had multiple top five picks and didn't really hit on too many. Again, with the whole Nino thing, right? Like Nino, Griffin Reinhardt, Michael Strom. Del Cole, Ryan Strom. That's in the... the like, five-year span, right? There's only one year where they didn't because they made the playoffs in 12, 13 or something like that? Yeah, so 2010, 11, 12, messed up. 13, yeah. got Pulak. That was good. And right. then 14, went back and got Del Cole. Yeah. So, like, and they, they've Not all great. been whiffs. So, good job. Good job, Gar Snow. Um, I'm... I got one for you. I don't know if you have anything else, but I got I got one for you. It's I got one. a few more, but they're, they're more recent. Yours is probably not as recent as mine. Okay. So this one is a tweet from NY Isles Nation. And the quote is, if you boo a team that's in first place with 10 names to go, you suck. This wins worst take of the year. This tweet is Terrible. I am sorry, Isles Nation. I couldn't disagree more with this tweet. If you play badly and get blown out in your own building, the fans have every right to boo. It is your job as the team, the coach, and whoever else involved in the organization to put a good product out there on the ice. You are leaving out so much context with this tweet, and you are looking at it through like this microscopic lens. It's absurd. That really set me off the other night. I, I saw that the other night. Um, I, I think a lot of people need to realize that when, when fans boo the team, it isn't out of hatred for the team. It's not like, boo, I hate you so much. You deserve this. It's, boo, I'm shocked and appalled at what I just saw, and I deserve better. And it's true. It's 100% true. They boo the Boston Bruins, or they, they boo when they lose against the Boston Bruins. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense. That was the worst display I've seen all year. They boo the power play. That makes sense. It's one for 27 recently. 
Yep. Like, it, it doesn't have to be so black and white. Like, yes, people are booing. And yes, that's a negative statement uh, for a team that is in a positive situation. But that positive situation can be aided by a few little things, it seems. Um, and so when, I, when, when, when fans see, like, the power play just passing the puck around in the perimeter and not getting any shots off, come on. At a certain point, like, we've seen this often enough and it doesn't work. Maybe change it up. Yeah, I... I'm right there with you. It's, I don't know. I that one just really set me off. I just don't. I don't agree, agree with that logic at all. Yeah, uh, I, I have two more. They're on the same subject, um, so I don't know if you have anything else. No, go ahead and let it rock. Okay, so it's on Joshua saying. Uh, so again, I said that they're recent. They're all from today, like within the last half hour, because um, the Bridgeport Sound Tigers are playing right now. Um, the first one comes from a good usual tweets. Or sorry, at good usual tweets. My God, I read nice. the A instead of at. Well, I'm That's such a <laughs> dummy. It's okay. So RJ at good usual tweets says summoning circle. I hope this works. Hashtag Frio saying hashtag Isles, and it's a picture picture of a Joshua saying Brooklyn black jersey. Very nice, uh, and three scented candles. Anyways, they're candles. And he's trying to summon the spirit of Joshua saying it appears for the Islanders. I appreciate that. It won't work, unfortunately. Um, I appreciate the effort, though. Yeah, appreciate it. And then I see he's here from Jackson at Jackson Heel uh, saying, Josh was saying benched again for Sound Tigers tonight in the third period. Awesome. Again, why is that? I, I don't know. I, again, that's not from like Michael Fornabio or anything, but um, it seems that Josh was saying it's a blame the third period. So benched, not like he's injured or anything. Looks like he's benched, apparently. So. Awesome. Ugh, so That's frustrating. frustrating. Um, I wonder why that is. I'd like a little bit more context there. Yeah. So but. something for all of us to look into. Yes, definitely something for us to look into. Um, all right. So that'll be it for the social segment. So let's get some plugs in here before we get on out of here for episode 83, Mitch. Yeah. So wherever you are listening to, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. It really helps with our searchability and allows us to create more content for you. Mitch mentioned it earlier in the show, but if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Patreon. You can get free. Well, not free, but you pay for it and you get content. I don't know why my brain shut off, but it did. Uh, you get post-game shows after every single game, including the playoffs, and you get a once-a-week mailbag where we answer all of your questions and get into some fun stuff on there as well. Definitely worth it. And a newsletter, too. Almost forgot about the newsletter. Mm-hmm. Mitch does a good job with that. Thank you. You can also follow us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is Matt O'Leary, and why Mitch's is at TLO. Mitch, you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You can download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, available for iPhone or Android. Or you can visit the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, episode number 83 in the books. Hopefully on 84, we were talking about the Islanders figuring this thing out and getting back in a groove for the playoffs. Yeah, and then we could talk all about Michael Grabowski. Yay, Double Michael Grabowski. There we go. So that'll do it for us on episode number 83. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Michael Grabowski. That was supposed to be like a Mike Wazowski thing. That was good. I liked it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.